0: A slow meandering affair he wants
1: to kick, he's gotta go now. Josh Kerr. Alright, David Ribbich. Josh Kerr. David Ribbich. Josh Kerr's for real. Josh Kerr on, on the, the outside, way up front now is David Ribbich.
0: Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick Podcast. I'm your host, David Ribbich.
1: And I'm your first time and your best host, Kate Grace.
0: Usually at this time, Josh does the introduction to the episode by saying something incredibly inappropriate or narcissistic. So I will follow suit and let the world know that I could beat Kate Grace in an 800 meters. I don't care if she just won a diamond league and is an Olympian in the event. I could take her. But in all seriousness, today I'm sitting and kicking it with the crusher of dreams, the hot street streaker, the kick to the win victor, Kate Grace. The weeks following the Olympic trials, Kate Grace showed the world that she's a legitimate world contender. I personally have known uh, Kate since 2016 when I waited in a mass of people to get her autograph but never got the chance to get it. Kate, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm so happy to be here and I should send you an autograph or ask for yours I guess at this yeah. point.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, I, I I still think I, I need to get yours um, maybe as, as payment to, you know, give me this kick, sit and kick exposure. Um, you can just send an autograph and we can just consider it a deal. Um, but yeah, how, how are you? You're, you're back in Portland I see and it looks like everything's kind of falling back in line for a good little end of the summer season
1: yeah exactly back in portland um getting some nice sea level training and seeing friends uh train i've been training in boulder but haven't actually moved from portland so it's kind of fun to be back here uh and at the same time planning my move to boulder because i kind of put that off um for yeah. the first half of the year so
0: yeah i mean mo- moving's tough i i moved two days after the Olympic trials, it's oh, like my gosh. moving boxes is, is literally another workout. So yeah, I, I feel that, but yeah. Okay. So what are two new facts then about you that the world needs to know it now that it's five years since that article has been released? <laughs>
1: um, two new facts about me. One fact when I was looking at this, was that I keep a note of facts or interesting things about me on my phone. I'm really big on the notes app on my phone, and I always, you know, like when you get asked those things, like what's one one interesting thing about you or whatever. I never know what to say, so I have a note on my phone of interesting things <laughs> if I forget. Uh, that's one thing. Um, let's see, I if I didn't run, I would be probably a little bit more outdoorsy. I really like um, hiking and backpacking. And the longest I've gone without a shower is 30 days or like a month. So I did that like when I had summer camp or a summer program I did like in the mountains in Colorado one summer in school. So I thought that was kind of like unique. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. um, Yeah. I mean, in terms of like actual facts, I don't know middle distance runner i've been i've been a i've been ai think on five different professional teams now i kind of like bounce around a lot um oh that's cool so new jersey new york track club um i was in bend with little wing then S- sacramento with norcal distance project which is now defunct barman and then now team boss so one day i'll just like write a huge training journal about like everything
0: i've learned from all the coaches that's super cool that's super cool and i think that's also a testament to like your versatility as an athlete um you know because a lot of people get tied to programs get tied to the coaches and the success that they bring but at the end of the day the success is really what you make it and what you cultivate and i think you're a testament to that and so there is a really phenomenal journal out already published called small school, big dreams by, you know, I don't know if you know who wrote that, but it, it was me. Um, And the fans are to die for. So when that, when that journal gets published, I'll tell you everything not to do and everything not to do is self edit it and publish it on Amazon and have boxes of them in your home thinking you're going to sell more than you did. So um, when you get that going, it, it was fun writing it. So
1: I love that. Yeah, hundred no, um, percent. And I mean, I agree. I think, first of all, I'm always rooting for like the small school kids to succeed. You know what, it makes for a better story, Mm -hmm. makes for a more interesting story, kind of go roundabout route or whatever. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. I definitely think that it's, I don't know, like with, I think athletes sometimes underestimate themselves, you know, you're right. You think like, I obviously great coaches are great. I mean, you need great coaches. But I think sometimes athletes like forget that they're great also. And at one point, mm-hmm. like you, you can make changes and do what you need, and you can be confident that you will succeed in a variety of different settings.
0: Yeah, exactly. Gosh, I hate the fact that our episode is about everybody else but us um, coming up. But, um, <laughs> well, I totally, us the whole yeah, <laughs> I wish we could just talk about us all day because that's completely right. Um, yeah. So some of the the sit and kick updates, guys. If you're listening to this, we just recently launched our launch launched, I guess L-A-W-N uh our chairs on the site. And they are the official Josh Kerr Tokyo shirts. Um, We have him sitting in a lawn chair with a bucket hat. Um, The Japanese font over it is sit and kick and it's getting listed for $32. Um, If you can figure out why it's $32, it has something to do with the Olympics on it. So there's a little fun trivia game that you need to figure out on your own. Um, and then that's available now on sitandkickpodcast.com. We have sold already half the stock that we have, and we're still a good amount of days before the races. So we really recommend within the next 48 hours, where if you're listening to this right now, pause it, go to sitandkickpodcast.com, buy that shirt, buy the size, because we want to make sure everyone in the chair section for Josh can um, be lounging in that shirt and watching him do something pretty remarkable. Um, so, yeah, sitandkickpodcast.com, $32, get, get the shirt. Secondly, um, Josh and I, wanted to thank you guys because we actually just surpassed a hundred thousand total listens. Um, and that's a pretty big deal for us because it was something that we've been like putting on our goal sheet for the podcast for some time now. Um, and we honestly reached it really fast. And when we were thinking about what hundred thousand meant to us, we just tried to imagine 10 stadiums filled with 10,000 people. And then there's like a spotlight of Josh and I in chairs, lawn chairs, of course, Speaking to people in the stadium. So when we think about what, how many people 100,000 is, um, we take a lot of pride in that. So thank you guys for listening. Lastly, for our little updates before we really get into this episode, the reimbursement forms are live. So if you guys bought our singlets um, in the spring and you've been racing through the summer, make sure you take a photo in it, request us on Venmo or submit the form online, and you'll get your money back to the the price of the singlet. You know that was the deal, and we just want to make sure we can pay you money. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, you guys. I had josh he was he was a finance guy he has a, he has the uh the access to the venmo so i say hey josh what's the venmo password and what he does is he logs out of the venmo to then try to log back in with the password that he thinks it was to only find out that the password that he thought it was isn't the actual password so we are currently locked out of our venmo because josh tried too many times and we're now <laughs> waiting for the bank to uh, get back to us and unlock that account so I'm gonna be personally venmoing you guys um, that money um while Josh is over there at Tokyo. So submit the reimbursement form. You'll get a a venmo from your better host, and we'll figure it out. But yeah, get your money back while you can. Um, so, as the world knows, I have never been to the Olympics. Um I have in fact, watched Olympic trials and competed in Olympic trials, but I have not been there. Um, so Kate, I kind of wanted to, I know this is about everyone else, but I wanted to kind of set the scene for the athletes that are there and for the fans that want to know more about the games themselves. So what was like the Rio opening ceremony like, because I know the athletes in Japan are like, I think Emma, yeah, Emma just posted on her story, like in my opening day ceremony outfit, didn't get to go, but I'm still like repping it and kind of thing. So what was that like?
1: Um, I probably could tell you this before. I actually didn't go to the Rio opening ceremonies. So nice. that's... I mean, the thing... It's so funny with all of these games. Same with Rio. There was such... There was so much, like, fear then about, like, it wasn't ready. This is opposite for Tokyo because it's been so prepared for so long. But, like, yeah. saying that, that, that they weren't ready with the, um, with the village. And then, like, everyone was scared about Zika. So we actually were still at our training camp. Also, it was... We were the last day. So it was... I had like three weeks from opening ceremony, so we just didn't want to be there the whole time. So I actually went to a Fogo de Chow Brazilian steakhouse in Texas <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and we and we wore our opening ceremony outfit. Uh and that's what we did. But that's I went to cool. the closing, it was fun. And I went to the closing ceremonies. They were great. Like you were kind of like again, just all walking around having it was like you were having a party that then everyone else was watching, which was fun. Um, yeah. but again, sounds like everyone there is like. It, actually the village, at least we're seeing in their pictures, looks pretty open. I thought it was gonna be more locked down, but it seems like they're they're having a normal yeah. village experience, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's also what I was seeing um through people's Instagram stories. And I think it's it's really cool a day we live in now where like you do get kind of that inside access to kind of what the athletes are looking at with like i've seen so many people opening their door to their rooms and then kind of doing like a tour of their apartments or their locations within the village and then Emma getting lost what looked like a parking garage underneath the village trying to find laundry like it does seem like it's open and it's pretty spacious
1: yeah totally and that was again similar to what rio was like i wasn't so funny i'd always Heard village and i picture like literally a village of huts so i didn't really understand that it was like just a ton of apartment buildings yeah. um but yeah i think that's if anything like probably the saving grace of the olympics this year because even though people aren't there like because social media is so prevalent we can just see all of like we can just basically feel like we're there with them you know yeah, exactly. um and yeah i guess i just wasn't sure because when they were talking about it being so locked down i just thought it was going to be like yeah like that they, they couldn't see other countries or whatever, but it looks like it's, I mean, obviously they're still to follow COVID protocols, but they're all in the dining hall together, which is the same as what we had. Like you were all in your own little building. So you're in the U S apartment and then, but you go to the dining hall and like everyone else is there or like the gym or whatever other stuff. It's like everyone else is there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even mean to lead all these questions, but considering you can't ask me, do you think, um, Actually, yeah. Do you want to do you want to rip the um the second question? I don't know if you have the the sheet open.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah. It's like the famous thing that everyone loves to talk about is the idea of if we think Olympics should have one home or rotating countries. Um, what well, we always used to talk. Well, should I be asking you? What do you? Oh think? no, uh, I mean <laughs> like
0: indirectly. You can just answer it too, and I can follow suit. So yeah, just keep <laughs> going. You're on
1: a roll. Uh, yeah. I mean it's. I feel like this is one of the things everyone's always talking about. I Jerry Schumacher used to always say his theory was you should have four different countries mm. and then you, like, rotate between them. I really liked that. Yeah. Um, the idea being, like, you have one... I guess you could have five. Basically, like, one home in each, like, major continent or something. Yeah. And so so it can, you can still get the rotating feel and it's, like, different places around the world. But it's not a new one every single time so then you really could have like okay let's say LA LA is the North America Olympic Center and every Mm. 20 years or whatever it comes back to LA and that way like you could keep all the stuff and then it could still be a tourist attraction in between um and that I always loved that because I think you have a little bit of both worlds
0: yeah no that's actually super cool I didn't even think of that concept because I feel like 20 years as well is far enough to remove where unless you're Alice and Felix or someone that's been to all these games, you're not going to really repeat any location. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's super cool. Um, I mean, my my, uh, my side of it was going to be like, yeah, having like it in the same spot in comparison to the, the current format, just because like you look at like Rio and Beijing and these locations that did host an, an Olympic Games. And I think other than, man, you know, what was it other than LA and Greece I think like like cause LA 2028 I think they're like are they revamping the the Olympic Stadium from 1990 or no, It was in Atlanta are they revamping the LA one or do you know
1: yeah there was there was an Olympics in LA in 84 I think yeah right and, and um, yeah I
0: think so and they're revamping that as in yeah like, that it's going to be the stadium again
1: but you still I mean it's crazy now with so many different sports like even if you have that stadium you need That's so true. much more infrastructure so yeah I so, still I think they're still building a lot. I do think with LA, they have a ton of private donors. So mm. maybe it's going to be like more better, like better funded than some of the other ones. Um, But it's still a huge undertaking.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I think the, the rotation of every, or like within four or five locations, I think is that's, that's a prime. That's like meet in the middle. We still get that rotation. We just kind of have set bases, but a country doesn't have to plummet financially or e- e- what is What's the word like through, through a, they don't have to hurt the planet, (laughs) you know, they don't, they don't have to have these pools just turn into cesspools. And so, um, yeah, that's a good one. So following suit with that after the competition in Rio, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not going to get carried away, but I had a wicked, um, after party after LA meet like two weeks ago, you know, I was like, ran a PR. I, my buddy was in Vegas and I text him like, yo, put $80 on red if I PR and $20 on red 32. And I actually hit it when I was in California and he was in LA. So I won 880 bucks. So like I PR, I put money what? down on myself, won almost a thousand dollars. Went out to the bars, and then I may or may not have skinny dipped with a bunch of people at like three a.m. in the LA Ocean, and it, or the, I guess you can say the Pacific Ocean, but off the coast <laughs> of LA, and it was super fun and super cool. So I don't want to like say how cool that night was, um, but in Rio, what was like the coolest <laughs> thing you did, or like what what was like one of the most memorable parts off the track?
1: I need to find you after races. <laughs> it sounds like you have a good time. Um, yeah, I, The, I mean, I don't know. Rio was awesome. I think the thing with, again, the Olympics is like, that's so unique is just, there are so many different countries there. Right. So, which is what they're seeing now. So it wasn't the after parties necessarily, but it was mostly just like be, literally just being in the dining hall, being in the gym, like seeing people from 150 countries or whatever, like 180 countries that are represented there. That was just the craziest thing to me. Um, you have these the pins you know like those those are little like usa pins and yeah. there's a big thing where you try to like trade country pins and you like gather all of these like c- pins Whoa. in different countries so some people got really into them it's kind of like i don't even know gathering pokemon or something uh yeah. but with real countries um so people got really excited if they saw a really random like really random unique country uh or a really small one um i didn't have any like in terms of crazy like i didn't after my race, I just went out with my family and also with, with Rio, it was basically just like it was, I don't know, it was there were there were some fun things to do, but it was kind of like mine was the last day. And then I went to opening ceremonies or to closing ceremonies. So I didn't really have the like, like the swimmers, for example, they the first week and then they're done and that's why the, the, the swimmers always get in trouble because then they're just like there and done and mm-hmm. can just party for two weeks whereas the track athletes used to be super strict until like you're the last day and then you have to leave um but i guess this year in japan it's different because everyone's being forced to leave like right yeah. after their events
0: which is crazy which is crazy yeah so i think now the swimming will be a little bit more tame and if if any of the swimmers um do you end up staying in, in Japan beyond the 48 hours? It looks like they have a long swim ahead of them back to their <laughs> nationality and original yeah. original country. But yeah, um, that's cool. But I also think like being with family at the end of those events is super cool as well. Like when we we got done with the trials, like my, my parents needed to drive back and my girlfriend's family needed to drive back. But I was like, I was really looking forward to also just being able to spend time with them at the trials and then just shortly after because it's like, it's kind of like the day one group and it's the group that kind of knows a little bit more. And it's not just like, you can just kind of be more vulnerable and accepting in that environment because like they know what you're going through and, or like they also want to celebrate you. And it's like some of the most genuine feelings, like being with family and friends in highs and lows of the sport, because yeah, it's, I I can't imagine. I I think that's honestly like the perfect wrap up of the Olympics um, is going out with your family and just experiencing the location in which you're at with, with the people you totally, care
1: about. Totally. And the other thing, I mean, this isn't, again, not partying, but the, I would say the coolest part of the Olympics for me was my, the 800 final was right before the men's 1500 meter final. So that's when Matthew won. And mm-hmm. so it was one of these things where like, I came down after mine and I like, it was like, you were kind of in this kind of like Emma's story. You were in this like crazy stadium or whatever. Like I was, I was super lost. I didn't know where I was. It took me forever to get to my spikes and then I get to the Spikes, and he's, like, the only other person. He's just one. He's the only other person in there. And it was just, like, it's just so funny because I feel like any after any other major sport, like, you see someone win the Super Bowl, they're, like, surrounded by everybody, and they're all celebrating. But he, I think, was in this place where he had just won, but he hadn't, like, wasn't around his people yet because he had to, like, put his Spikes on. And he was in, like, this random small room under the stadium. And it was just, like, so – I. That, to me, was, like, my Olympic moment, was seeing him after winning gold. He was just, like, the mo- He was just, like, shocked. He was just, like, a kid that was just got his dream come true. And it was so cool seeing how authentically, like, happy and, like, peaceful he was at that moment. And, yeah, I don't know. That was, like... That's awesome. It still gives me, it still gives me chills thinking about it, but just gave him a huge hug. I didn't even know him that well. And just to see someone in their, like, complete dream scenario, like, their dream just came true, you know, yeah. was just wild. Anyway um besides track and field do you have a favorite olympic sport to Dude, root for
0: i try to watch synchronized diving every single time <laughs> there's one of the coolest things in the world is i feel like trying to dive into water from these elevated platforms and making the, the smallest uh splash possible is one of the weirdest and most difficult things i feel like someone can do i was like in green lake um just paddleboarding yesterday and I was, like, jumping off a paddleboard, and, like, my buddy that was with me, he was, like, raiding my dive because I'm, like, how big's my splash? Like, I want to know how big my splash is. <laughs> and it's just so crazy when, like, two people are also, like, doing it at the same time, and it's just, I don't know. It, it's art. It's it's so crazy.
1: Yeah, diving is insane. I don't even get it. You're right. The splashes are tiny. Yeah. Um... I should go try to figure out how big my splash is. I feel like that's the big thing with all Olympic sports is like, even with running people say, you need just to have a comparison. Like you need to show someone who's just a total normal person. And just so you can compare like how bad they are in comparison, yeah. because you, you forget sometimes just like, I don't know how incredible these people are, what they do and how hard mm-hmm. it would be.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's true too. And, and I think that there's like, I think that's one of the hardest things about running and things it's like when you get, or really, I guess you could say any Olympic sport is when someone gets to that stage, they make it look so effortless that like it doesn't look difficult. But then when you try to do those things, you're like, oh God, like this is so hard. Like totally. Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps makes swimming look so easy. And, I, and then I get in the pool I, and I see. I I yeah,
1: that was the thing. That was the one that my mind the most. You see that there was like a promo she did last year where she put chocolate milk on her head and then swam. Yeah. And the, that was so crazy to me because I was, Injured, and I was trying to do swimming as like my rehab, and so I was swimming like my hardest effort, whatever. Like I'm dying to make this hundred, and her being like, "This is my chill swim with chocolate milk on my head." She still ran; she still could swim faster than I could swim for like whatever fifty meters, and it was, yeah, that blew my mind.
0: Yeah, no, that no, that's crazy, and I know, I think she just Katie Ledecky just won silver in the four hundred, and she, and she posted her schedule. And it's just like crazy how many swim races she has over the course of like <laughs> Tokyo. And the, she, I think she only posted her individual schedule, not even relays, but yeah. So now we're going to get into the, unless you want to talk about betting on the Olympics, but we can kind of wrap that into the, the go around question of two. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we're going to transition now into the Tokyo Olympic chat for the track people um, and kind of like full disclosure to you guys listening right now. Um, we're not, going to cover every single event, not because we don't want to, or not because we don't know facts about those events. Like for instance, Noah Lyles, high jumped six, seven in high school, which is beyond me. Um, I don't even know how physically um, that's possible. Um, but more so we're going to f- focus on the distance events because we are a distance based running program, uh, running a uh, podcast, but it's also because that's kind of where our knowledge is entailed. And also we have our friends in those events. We have international competitors or foes in that event. Um, and we always promise like, Relatively an hour to like 60, 70, 80 minutes, maybe of a podcast episode. And I mean, I think Kate and I could talk all day on, on athletes in the games, and we don't want to necessarily keep you guys um, company for the entire long run. You guys kind of have to do some of the work yourself. So <laughs> we're, we're just going to talk about the 800 up to the 10K um, and maybe a little few anecdotes on some of the sprint events. So to start, let's give some love to the sprints. What sprint event um, are you looking forward to the most?
1: Oh, for an event um i mean well i'm looking for i don't know i'm looking forward to people to watch people i like i'm looking forward to seeing trayvon what trayvon can do huge fan uh got to like meet him a little bit more when i was in monaco just love his whole story love the comeback story uh 200 meters also gabby i feel like i like the ring for her did the 400 meter hurdles count i'm also me to
0: certainly count
1: a huge um like the Del- fan of Delilla and just like love her versus Sydney that rivalry. So yeah, those no, are my three. No, cool. How about you?
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of fall asleep with that. I'm I'm excited for the men's um, 100. Uh, Ronnie Baker, who who made the team in that, he actually started out running cross country when he was in high school. So I kind really? of feel like if you guys want, yeah if you guys want a distance connection to the sprint events, root for Ronnie Baker. Um, I also it is mind blowing to me that Fred Curley stepped down from the 400 in an event, in an Olympic year to then do his whole hashtag phase 42, hashtag rewrite history stuff to come down literally to a hundred meters in an event that he's never made a world team on. And then he, he makes an Olympic team. And then it's like, that's that's crazy. That's like, that's like you being um, what? Like a 5K runner. Okay, now that's not even comparable. That doesn't even comparable because 5K runners still are pretty good at the 15, but I thought he was a Sherlock for the four. He goes down to the one. I'm excited to see that. Um, And then I'm also excited to see the men's 110 hurdles. Um, Grant was on the podcast um, during COVID and he talked about all the things that he wanted to accomplish. And we reamped a intro for our podcast and we did like a Grant Holloway sit and kick um, pretty much just like a little mini intro song. And we got like people messaging just like that was the most hype thing I've ever listened to. I listened to Grant's podcast intro before at race now because it just gets (laughs) me in the zone. So from that and from like the things that grant talked about he's he's literally achieved everything that he talked about on our podcast except that world record and so i know he's gonna go there with with like a lot of um anticipation and excitement and he's also fun to watch i mean similar i mean i feel like all sprinters are super fun to watch men's and women's um like allison felix when i saw her in in the the race um at the trials in the 400 she was just zipped up in her athleta. And her Olympic rings necklace was just outside her her uniform, just chilling there on her chest. I'm like, imagine being a woman in that race and just seeing your competitor with an Olympic rings necklace looking as dead calm as she was like, man, I love it. And the rivalry of the women's 400 meter hurdles, like there's there's literally so much to watch in those events. I mean, I said we're not going to talk about it, but here we are with, you know, like really diving into it.
1: I agree with you. I mean, honestly, I do think it is. You're right. So fun to watch. I feel like distance runners also can learn from it. It's like they bring entertainment. Like they're not yeah. afraid to put it out there to put out. Like these are their goals, and that, that that's what makes it fun as a competitor or as a like fan to watch mm-hmm. it. Because like. Obviously, they're being vulnerable by putting themselves out there, but, like, that makes you want to root for them. Exactly. Whereas I think so much time in distance events, we kind of hide and, like, don't don't give our full goals and, like, don't want to be cocky about it, which I understand. But at one point, like, if you hide too much, then no one knows that, what you're going for and they can't really root for you, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Which I, I thought was, like, when you talked about Centro and his Olympics, it did remind me of, like, on Monday when he went after the, the three – or wait, what was that? Sunday? Yeah, th- Sunday or – is that
1: Sunday or Saturday? Saturday. Uh, Sunday. Saturday. Saturday.
0: He literally came out with a statement, 72 hours out. The team put it together, and and I know I'm sure, like from the inside, you know if like Jerry wants to put something on like that, or Matt wants to put something on like that, like they're not going to put that on unless they truly, truly believe that he's going to be able to do it. And although he didn't end up getting it, it was just like he came out, said what he was going to do, said where he was going to do it, and thousands of people showed up to do it, and that there was so like. There were so many people there smiling and like he he Matt had an incredible post on Instagram you guys should check it out where he talks about like he finished the race and people were still applauding. Like he thought they'd be disappointed. I don't know. Did you see that?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm nodding. It was so great. Honestly, like I love that post. It was and also it's like a sign of him that you never see, right? So exactly. but he, I mean, he totally admitted. He was like, Yeah, this was this was new for me. I don't know what put it out there. And that it meant so much to have that kind of send-off. I was there and literally, like, I did not think anyone was showing up. And it was wild. I've never it was like, yeah, there's thousands or like, what 1500 people there, just off of what, 48 hours notice or whatever. It was crazy.
0: So cool. So cool. Yeah. And, and I know like all you guys listen, like to submit a bunch of cilantro comments and, you know, like try to get <laughs> the beef between like Matt, Josh and I on here. And I know like we had some origin of some, some beef that started early in December. Um, but it, it, at the, at the end of the day, like I have Matt sent its autograph. He was one of the first athletes that I've autograph, and like, I'm a fan of him and he's doing so good for the sport. Sometimes he likes to play that bad guy and that villain over social media. And like, that's kind of a role that he stepped into and embraced. But then like Kate said, like this most recent, most recent post is another reminder of just like, you can do really positive things in the sport. And Matt's certainly doing that. And seeing those kids watch an Olympic champion in person attempt an American record, regardless of if Matt gets that in his career, I certainly believe that someone that watches Matt race will achieve an American record or make an Olympic team, because Mm. that's just kind of like the, the transitive property of watching successful people do what they love, surrounded by people they love. He he's inspiring people. Kate, you obviously inspire people too with all the things that you do and, and all the rage that you brought into Europe and, and things. So, I, I I could applaud honestly athletes that put themselves out there all day. Um. So yeah. Now let's focus on the Olympic chat. <laughs> um. So let's talk about that 800. I know know you're in that trials race. Um. With those women. Um. But let's let's start with the men first and get into the women. So the Americans that we have going are Bryce Hoppel, Clayton Murphy, and Isaiah Jewett. Um, first off, that was one of the craziest trial races I've ever seen on the men's side. Um, you know, I think something to say is like just because you think someone could be a quote unquote lock, like you just have to race the race you're in. And Isaiah Jewett as an NCAA athlete literally just goes out to the front and tries to drop the American record holder and reigning world champion. It's just yeah. that's so crazy.
1: I mean, again, I think that's the biggest thing whenever you go into the trials is like I think people do the best. Yeah, when they don't, they don't care about anyone else's time, anyone else's accolades. Like anything can happen on the day, and you're going to be rewarded if you run your race.
0: Exactly. So, so we have Clayton going. He he was a surprise win for me at the trials. I never I never slated him to, to get the dub. Um, but you know it's I think going to be an exciting team because Clayton returns as an Olympic medalist. Bryce was is the American record holder now in on the 1,000 meters, um, and he's been on an absolute terror. And then Isaiah Jewett is now. On his first Olympic team, but I think I don't know how you feel about this, but what with NCAA athletes, I feel like NCAA athletes going to the Olympics kind of have an advantage to some degree over some professionals because their races have all been tactical and they don't have pacers all the time. They literally just race to win. And with that comes that experience of this is just obviously a bigger and more difficult meet to be in, but they've been racing championships now for almost two months.
1: That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, honestly, kind of Clayton probably was that person in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. He came out with the NCAA. Um, in a way, also, like, I think there's so much to be said for momentum in the sport. And when you are winning, and you're used to winning, as you said, even if you're not doing it at faster times, it's like, almost like you get the winning bug. And that doesn't yeah. matter what your what the time is. It's like, you're just in a race, and you're okay, you're gonna win, and you almost don't overthink it. Yeah. Um I think sometimes there's also a benefit if you're fit enough to being a little bit naive to it, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's extra pressure. Um, There's just an extra pressure when you're coming back at your second Olympics. Like, what am I going to, like, you have to prove yourself again versus going there and just seeing what you can do. So maybe that bodes well for Isaiah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I like him. If you go to his Instagram, it's everything to do with anime. I mean, I don't think he has like, (laughs) maybe he has maybe one or two uh, posts about running, but almost all anime on there um yeah it's,
1: it's funny also he's from a small school I was looking up uh he's from like a small school school in LA so I kind of liked that that's cool. um love the like div- small division schools in the mm-hmm. LA area that's what I'm what I'm from also so nice. yeah it'd be cool to see what he does it's
0: awesome and then on the women's team we have Athing Moo, Raven Rogers and Ajay Wilson from your experience competing against those women like what do what are the odds that you have like with like that podium potential for that event
1: i mean i think if you told me any of them get podiums i would not be surprised right like they're i mean um ajay and raven both have medals from 2019 um ajay multiple medals um and then um a thing is just like again kind of that same deal she's just been in championship rounds and she's been doing so incredibly um i i would i honestly would almost bet that we get at least two people on the podium. Uh, They're just that good. I mean, that was, even for me deciding to do the 800, we kind of went into it being like, okay, we know that you have to basically be in like podium shape in order to make this team. Um, I think the coolest thing right now is just watching a thing, just see what she can do. Because I do think it's so clear that she's just at the very start of her career and so pretty untested. Um, Obviously she ran the 400, um, at NCAA at, at NCAA's and then came out to do the eight at USA's. Felt like her coaches were really kind of holding her back almost, yeah. and hold and then like let loose a little bit in the final. Ran fifty six low, one fifty six low. So I don't know. I'll be really interested to see like what she could do. I super would not be surprised if like American record gets broken. I don't know. It'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. No. I think it's gonna be super cool and. If you guys want to read one of the craziest stat sheets go to Texas A&M's team page for her and read her bio it's absolutely nuts. Um, Her collegiate top all time top 12 times. This is all within the year of 2021 it's going to sound like a list so bear with me. Uh, Number one outdoor 400 meter time number one outdoor four by 400 meter time number one indoor 600 meter number one indoor 800 number one indoor four by 400 number one outdoor 800 number two outdoor 400 number four indoor 400 number five outdoor 400 number eight 400 outdoor and number seven indoor 800 that is absolutely crazy and if if she's going in for that barman award in december i hope a distance runner gets it because <laughs> i can't think of a better resume to go in, into your first olympic games and or um, first professional uh year than that that's that's remarkable
1: Oh my gosh. Agreed, It's wild. That's like something that you'd be proud of over the course of, I don't even know, many years.
0: (laughs) If you had, if you had a team be able to pick up all those accolades, then you'd be like, great. That's awesome. We have a good program, but for it to be one person, it's remarkable. So yeah, I do agree with you. I think, I do think an American record is going to be what it takes to podium and or win. Um, I think like there's still like tons of competitors that are on fire right now. um, American record to podium to, sorry, to win.
1: Win, yeah i agree yeah American record
0: to win um so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be cool um and and i and i think that's one of the earlier events as well um in in the schedule if, if i stand corrected yeah women's. yeah i think the
1: final is the third of august i'm pretty sure
0: yeah and i think that's even before the men's 15 even begins or before some of those yeah yeah but what i think is going to happen is is i think that with that event that's going to be that snowball on the edge of the cliff that begins to roll. And then everyone begins to build momentum off of it. Cause I feel like when you watch teammates or when you watch people that you really care about do something insane, it kind of like catches fire for you in your, your belly yeah. and all. And so I feel like with the women's eight being one of the first events and one of the most likely podium events, I think that's just gonna catch fire for the rest of the U.S. women. And I think it's just gonna be one of the best Olympic cycles that are, I think the U.S. has produced
1: oh, I love that. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Like totally there's some energy that starts to grow.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. The, the big talk, the men's or the women's 1500 meters and the men's 1500 meters. We'll start with the women on this one.
1: Um, well, I'm reading your notes that I didn't know that you're, that you're one of a huge Core McGee fan. I'm a huge Core McGee, McGee fan also.
0: I am a huge Core McGee fan. And, and I'm like, I'm I'm curious to know on your insider because you got her on your team. She's heading to Tokyo, but like, yeah, like if you read my notes, my Corey McGee um, <laughs> fan is the, like, I'll just read out this list too for you guys. Um, she's like, honestly, one of my personal favorite athletes on the circuit right now. No offense, Kate, you're also really cool. Um, but with Corey, it's okay. um, 2012 USA Olympic trials, she was 25th or 25th um, in 2013. She finished third. Was she a senior uh, in college at that point? So I think she was
1: going into her uh, I think she was going into her senior year actually. Uh, was she?
0: I, I I can't remember if she just finished college or was in college, but I know like college was super close to that qualification. Um I'm yeah. pretty
1: sure she was going into college because I think she then had one more the next year. She still had NCAAs. Mm. And she yeah. Okay. So I'm pretty sure she was she was just a junior.
0: Okay. Yeah. So she was a junior in college, makes her first world championship team, and that was 2013. In 2016 for the Olympic trials, she gets 13th. In 2019, she gets DQ'd, and in 2021, she makes an Olympic team. She went eight years at the professional level without qualifying for a team, and I feel like that is so crazy because when you when you have this perspective of athletes, you just think, oh, okay, now they're professional, now they're vying for teams, now they're making teams, but she, she almost did the reverse of like she makes a team and then she literally had to dogfight her way through probably eight years of doubt and like hardships of like, can I do this, whatever. She gets DQ'd in 2019, which is a like, super heartache because – I actually slated her to make the team. She looked like a good, good favorite into that event. And that was before you guys were teammates. And then in 2021, she makes an Olympic team. And I, I don't know how she feels about it all, but I bet those eight years hurt. But now at this point, I would say they're completely worth it because she made the Olympic team. She's an Olympian. It's awesome.
1: Oh my gosh, hundred percent. I agree. I mean, she's one of the people that, and I feel like she doesn't even, she didn't even really show it. I mean, she was devastated after, after 2019 and that definitely lit, lit a fire for her. And I think, And then, so 2020, she was running well. She ended up, like, having top U.S. times, but she, but obviously, like, not many people were running. It was kind of hard to tell, like, Mm -hmm. is this legit? Is it going to continue? Not just for her, but for everyone. Um, But it was really, I think for her, she, it kind of, in a way, by having that 2019 pulled away, I think it, like, made her just totally double down and realize that she believed in herself. Um, And yeah, I I agree with you. I love the stories of people who, like, have early success. She had success as a high schooler, Mm -hmm. um, and, like, she was a pretty like kind of phenom high school athlete um honestly it's a crazy story even Mississippi like they didn't even have a cross-country team she just was this girl that like loved running in Mississippi and she literally like made the cross-country team at her high school like she was the only person on her team and she would be like running around like no one knows what she's doing they'd like ask her if she needed help and she just like has always loved it and I think again seeing that and then seeing her dedication over the years you just love it when someone that happens and then like things come together finally
0: yeah like good things happening for good people I mean yeah outside totally. looking in like oh, I, hope she's, I hope
1: she's cool <laughs> she's great no honestly she's been, it's been so fun getting to know her so I joined this group to join team boss in t- January and I've like now it's funny when you room with people at these training camps you feel like you get to know them really quickly right mm-hmm. so we were like roommates in January and then again in April so I've, I've like yeah lived with her um for a few months this year so I feel like even though it's only been a few months I feel very much like we've gotten to know each other pretty well given the fact that it's not been that long yeah. um and yeah she's just as like she's super both like kind and quirky and then like has her southern side that just like amazing and just the uh, I don't know so many different things I could go on and on about like all of her positive qualities but yeah. it's been really fun I'm rooting for her
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys are picking up at this point. We're not going to really be covering the events in full We're mostly just talking about (laughs) the people we like. And and that's, that's why you guys are listening to us because we have insider information. We have inside knowledge of these incredible people. And what we want to do is build the anticipation of who to root for at the games. Like everyone has like the favorites, everyone has like metal contenders. But the cool thing is, is like the people that we enjoy watching, we believe could also be metal contenders. So it's kind of like best of both worlds that you guys get to kind of be more involved in the, um, I guess, emotions of, of things within the sport. And, you know, if you're watching the race and you're watching with your family, and they say, oh, who's in this event that you know of? Hopefully you can reference this podcast and you can just be like, oh yeah, Corey McGee, you know, she started her cross country team or Ronnie Baker ran cross country. Now he's in the Olympics for the hundred. Like, we're just trying to give you guys some stories. So we're going to continue on there. And I don't know how many times I've heard the story um, that um, Ellie Perrier is grew up <laughs> on a cow farm. Um, that is literally... If you can't you can't watch her race without that getting mentioned. Um so oh, which it's so I, it's true. Ellie Perry Ellie Pierre, right? Is that correct? full name now?
1: Yes. which
0: sounds far more intimidating. Oh
1: uh, yeah. Um I agree. I think the dairy people are very happy that Ellie is um going to the Olympics. But she's another one. I mean, she is she was like obviously good, but then kind of has had this like great just upward trajectory in the last few years uh she broke the american mile or the the american record for the mile in that Millrose in 2019 Mm -hmm. i remember seeing that and like that was a huge step forward for her she ran 416 for the mile um but then again like 2020 everyone was like she was running really well in 2020 but like what does this mean is this good is like will she actually continue you know she Mm -hmm. kind of soloed a few great times uh and i think if anything like that was the if anything that probably gave her good practice, she soloed a four-minute four flat, uh, 1500. And then, as soon as races started opened up again, she was just like on fire. Yep. She's now front runner sub four minutes consistently. She ran sub, she led the trials sub four. That's the fastest U.S. trials final ever. Um, she looks so strong, and also, I think, has not had a ton of time just because we haven't had international races, we haven't seen her against much international competition yeah. so it'll be really cool i think to see that come out and to see her then um now that she's clearly like just a total badass in the amongst us runners yeah. uh kind of what she can do in the against an inter- international field
0: yeah no absolutely and i think to note as well like she made the olympic team this year in the 1500 meters but in 2019 she she made the team the 5k yeah. you know she has that strength and then she steps down like you're saying she started really going on a tear and I was actually pretty shocked that she set that record um the American record in the mile in that race because for some reason I didn't pin her to be to be that and then ever since then like my perception of her has changed drastically and I think did she get the American record for the indoor two mile um at the start of this year
1: yeah, yeah in that
0: race with Emma. yeah so it's just like, She's proving her worth. And when she gets on the line and has big glasses, I hope that she's in her sunglasses in Tokyo. Hopefully they turn the stadium lights on because it's intimidating. Um, she, she's looking really good. And I thought it was super cool that her teammate Heather McLean also made the team. She's listed as six feet on Team USA. I don't think she's actually <laughs> Team USA's uh, six foot, 1500 meter athlete. Um, but I thought what was cool about Heather is her her bio on Team USA is that her teammates called her Henry Houdini because she has free time at altitude camps to learn magic tricks and show them it's just like those are like the little stories and the the little quirks about distance runners or people to root for that i I really enjoy because i'm like you just you look i'm gonna look at her at the start line and i'm gonna feel like happy for her and also like happy that i kind of know like okay cool she likes magic i totally agree little runner yeah
1: yeah it's so funny also i'm pretty sure that she that when you do those things you have to fill it out so someone there must have been some i don't know was she just like messing with people when she put six feet <laughs> or oh yeah that's really funny um and also that she chose to, to put that as her little as her little fact but that's great yeah. love it yeah, cool. um yeah she i mean also she's another one even more so than Corey. that like very much unher- unheralded coming out of college definitely have a contract the there was this article in like Boston, some Boston newspaper just about how, which I kind of remember this, when she first signed the New Balance, like she was still in school. It was a really small contract. She literally would like drive hours each day or each like twice a week or whatever to go to their practices. Like it was not the traditional pro runner all set up, like just, I don't know, living right across from the track. So she definitely sacrificed, um, I don't know. And it's really fun to see when I just, that's what's so great about the Olympics is you get to see people like that have their dreams come true. Exactly exactly
0: um now the men's 15 we're gonna make this one quick because there's also gonna be questions <laughs> i think fans can <laughs> honest, but this is this is gonna be a, a hot event i feel like given this is the event that i also run it's also the one that i think i'm most invested in um in terms of like the the players in it but in terms of international guys entered in um you have obviously timothy chariot now on on the kenyan team you have yakov ingebrigtsen you have i mean the three americans two collegians like we're saying that are on a hot streak of racing to, to the line the defending Olympic champion, Centro, who just ran 349. So he's in shape. You have your better house Josh Kerr uh, in there. He's not going to be in a kilt, but he'll certainly be out there to kill. So in there, and I'm not putting any money on him. I know a lot of you guys in the podcast are trying to submit like funds and say, bet on Josh, bet on Josh. Not going to do that. You know, I'm too, I'm already too invested. Like I'm all in on Josh emotionally. And I can't match that financially, mainly because if Josh wins Olympic gold and I put a thousand dollars on Josh and I make Buku bucks, we're going to be at a bar or we're going to be at a restaurant. And Josh is going to say, Dave, you want to pick that up? And I'm going to be like, why? And he's like, because I made you that money. He's (laughs) going to hold it against me, regardless of whether or not um, I bet or not. So I I can't even get involved. But the men's 1500, it's really like a showdown again from 2019. And I also feel like a showdown of 2016. This event is shaping up to be one of the most talked about events. Maybe that's because that's what I'm looking forward to um, the most. But yeah, what what are your thoughts on that men's side?
1: I mean, I think that you're the expert in it. And yeah, I don't know. The Men's 1500 is one of my favorite events to watch. It has all the drama. 15 is also just a great track event, great length. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's Something's always happening. There's not like the lull of the distance events. And also, I feel like, I mean, it's interesting given, obviously, there's been world championships. But given Centro's win last time, I think it's going to be a much more honest race. Like, I Mm -hmm. doubt that there'll be something that's that tactical this time.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And it's funny, I haven't actually talked to Josh about Tokyo, like usually, you know, like, I don't know, did you do like any send off texts to like Emma or anyone just kind of say you did? So like, yeah, me me and Josh, were. I was planning a call with him yesterday, and then we totally ran out of time. And I don't I don't ever know how to hype up Josh. So this is gonna be super embarrassing um, to the fans. But the good thing is, is I doubt Josh will listen to this. So he'll never hear what I was gonna say to him. But I'll tell all of you guys. I actually wrote in my notes because I didn't want to mess up um, because, but it's like, Josh, I'm incredibly inspired and motivated and challenged by you every day over the last year and a half on the podcast. I've listened to you and I've edited your voice more times than I can count in total, probably 80 hours of just you in my headphones. And it was a terrible time. And with that said, I have nothing to say to you. I don't think anyone needs to say anything to you because now is the time to show everyone. And, and like, that, I think that's a real thing of like you guys and the fans that are listening. I mean, the ones that are buying the shirts for Josh, I mean, like, we all know where his headspace is at. Like, there's nothing that I can say to him to make him any better because he's on a different level right now. So I'm excited for that event because, yeah, I'm emotionally invested in it, but also because it is one of the most exciting events to watch. Everyone knows the mile. Everyone knows the metric mile. That's, like, that's, I would say, a major track event. Like, maybe, like, the 100-meter the, the dash of the sprint events or of the uh, distance events. Um, but it'll be good. I'm excited to see all those guys line up against each other. Um, and then moving on to the women's or sorry, the men's steeplechase, um, we're going to kind of wrap these and and make these a little bit quicker, just so we don't keep you guys again, um, far too long, but for the men's, all I'm going to say is Mason Furlick. I mean, you guys, we had him on with a very nice track club with Hobbs Kessler, um, before the trials. And I talked about his story of going to Michigan. I talked about how he led his NCAA championship race, um, from the gun, never looked back, dropped everyone immediately signs a deal with Nike had a bit of a um, fallout athletically because he wasn't performing the way that he wanted to. He kept getting injured and he kind of just like got swept under the rug for, for performances. And then he comes out in, I believe the start of 2020 or the end of 2020, maybe, and he beats Paul Chalimo in um, a cross country race. And that was the first time where people were like, dang, Mason Furlick, like again, at the professional level. And then he runs up for the mile and then he goes on this absolute tear. And then he qualifies for his Olympic first Olympic team, at, at, after getting dropped, still going to school. And like me and him have talked and like dropped is a harsh, harsh way to say it. Um, but he even said, he's like, I had doubts about continuing the sport when I, when my contract was gone, because that was what I was tied to in that moment of professionalism. And then he's like, but then I realized professional track and field is not about the contract. It's about the experience and it's about getting the best out of yourself. And when I heard Mason say that I was like, well, if that's truly his mindset now, I was like, he's unbeatable. And he's a mm-hmm. guy that's going to go into that, that, Olympic trials with zero pressure no pressure of retaining a contract I'm sure now he could probably snag a pretty nice one but the thing is is like he was there because he wanted to be there because he loved the sport and he's part of the very nice track club those that group is on fire so super big fan of Mason Furlick I mean you guys heard me talk about him before he's who I'm looking forward to the most in that event and then on the personal side of things Kate you know Emma in that event so what what's uh what's kind of shaking down over there
1: yeah, I mean, it's funny. You were saying, did I do a send-off? I did not do send-off like that. That was very nice. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. You're a good friend. Yeah. You're a very good friend. I like that. Um, no, I mean, although, I guess, some, I mean, probably could do something like that. I am just a huge, like, Emma fangirl, much more so. Honestly, I, I mean, obviously, I knew her from afar before this year um, and have just gotten to know her and respect her even more so this last, like, six months with this group. Um, she just such a go-getter. It's wild. Like just she, her level of professionalism, her ability to just get so much done. I just like, I want to be Emma when I grow up in terms of just like (laughs) her, I don't know, she just, um, she is a go-getter. She's not afraid for herself out there. She is very loyal to her family, open about that. Um, Just all positive qualities. Honestly, like what she's created with team boss, it just is amazing. I mean, her and Joe, but she is a huge part of it. And I think she, a team culture of like supporting each other, holding each other to high standards that all comes from her right um and I mean she's been working out great like she this year every time we a lot of times like people are going back and forth with sharing workouts sharing kind of yeah just like getting to their heights before the trials or even now they've been in um they've been in St. Moritz and then driving down to Kiavana and workouts have been going great she feels very she feels just calm and confident going into it which is like a great place to be right she um and so, I guess background. She's still um, was bronze in, in 2016, so bronze medalist at Rio. Then she won gold in 2017, and then came back for silver at Doha. Um, and is very much at this point going for gold. And I'm excited to watch what her do it. Uh, she the only race she had after trials, which also was her she's now nine time consecutive U S champion in the steeplechase, which is just insane. The amount of consistency she's had, um, through some pretty tough years. Like one of the years she had food poisoning, like in Sacramento, she had food poisoning like the day before the race or something and was like basically puking up to the time that she had to compete. But, um, so I guess the moral of the story is Emma is super tough. I don't really, I didn't, I never realized how tough she was until kind of hearing more stories about it. Um, so, and the only race she had was Monaco and she ended up tripping on a hurdle of the last water pit. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like got that out of the way now. So she can just be all gold in yeah. Tokyo.
0: That's exciting. I know that, that was the comparisons made of her and Evan both like almost getting a record and then hitting, hitting a yeah. bear on the final lap. But I mean, that's the race, that's the steeplechase. And I, I did like her mindset of, and, and what you said about getting that out of the way and um I think that just showed the potential that she does have too. And that to the fans, at least of have like, Oh wow. Like she is, she's always been a contender for a medal, but seeing how composed she was through that entire race and like Monaco's historically fast, but I think the athletes also make that fast. And Mm -hmm. she put on a show in a clinic almost. And it's like, this is why I'm a nine time us champion going into Tokyo. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't agree more that like rooting for her and, and going, going for gold is the best way to put it. Um, for the 5,000 meters, we're going to wrap the 5,000 and the 10,000 meters together because four of the six people on those teams are the same people. If I, if I correct, um, oh, five, uh, three, of the six, no. Yeah. Three of the six, three of six. So on the, the women's side, we have Elise Cranny, Krista Schweitzer, um, and Rachel Snyder. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not very familiar. I mean, we had Ali Buhalski in there from the Brooks Bees finished fifth, and that was a little bit gut-wrenching, um, uh, but it's also light years ahead of where she'd been in the past. So I would I didn't really pay attention much to the other women in that event in the race and or like the things that they kind of had going on. Um just because I was invested into Allie, But what what do you can you touch on anything of like Carissa and Elise in those in that discipline?
1: Yeah, I mean I think um uh the cursa and Elise so both are in Bowerman. and so I've kind of seen them for at least was training with them for two years at least. Um both had well different in different ways. So Carissa came um was just like standout in college came, um, from, yeah, I mean, she was coming from having multiple NCAA championships. Um, and, but sometimes she, what is it? She's won titles in cross country, indoor 5k, outdoor 5k. Um, but it's sometimes there's like a little bit of a lag from when you join pro to when you actually start getting good. And that just did not exist for Carissa, like almost immediately started running great for Bowerman that the, her first year upon like joining the team, she made the, she made the world team to go to Doha um, in the 5k. Then the following year, she broke the indoor American record um, in the 3000 meters. I paced her in that race. She ran oh gosh was it 826 826 yeah something like that just completely demolished shalane's old record um and that was also kind of surprised because people kind of thought shelby was shelby was going to win that race um and then again that summer was right behind shelby when she ran like uh 14 was it 1424 1425 i forget what carissa ran for the Mm -hmm. for her 5k time yeah anyway just showing over and over again that, like, she needed no she needed no introduction to pros. She was immediately able to do all of Jerry's workouts. And really, like, most people aren't. Like, most people, it takes you a few years to get used yeah, to it. Which is a little um, bit
0: more of Elise's style, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, again, that's Carissa. And it's one of those things where it's, like, everything you throw at her, she can do. And it's just very exciting to see um, her progress already and kind of also get excited for what she can do in the future. Elise is m- more on the storyline of, like, incredible high school athlete definitely was a little bit I mean she was pretty good in college but yeah she was she never actually won NCAA. she was always the she was runner-up four times um so she was again runner-up NCAA. is incredible but it's one of those things where it was like uh what's the saying always the bridesmaid or whatever like a, a little bit of just like kind of not quite getting it together I think she even said she would overtrain sometimes or just make some training mistakes get injured she was really injury prone in college and even Honestly, when she joined Bowerman, it was kind of like her boyfriend was on the team, Sean uh, McGordy. And it was almost this idea, like, well, is Jerry just being nice? Like, is Elise really this, like, I don't know, literally this this is the way people think about it. Like, was, is, is this, is it because Sean's there, basically, yeah. that Elise is getting on this team? And I think, and she kind of had to, yeah, like... It took a little bit of while it wasn't the obvious like oh immediately they're getting her it was like she had to really push to get on this team and it's just crazy how it quickly it changed and it became so obvious like no elise is just this superstar in the making yeah. and she's just so strong and i think again that first year um 2019 was her first year she did it was a little bit more of like took a little time to get used to it didn't wasn't running great she was pretty disappointed she ran a 15 and the 5k at USA, but was pretty disappointed with her showings there. Mm-hmm. But starting last year, just like started to shine in different events starting in 2020. And then this year it was like Elise's, I mean, she won the 5k outright. She won the yeah. 5k. At she, she proved and that we,
0: she certainly should be on the team, you know? Yeah.
1: She should be on the team. Like, and like, is just someone that's just going to has like the sky is the limit for her. It's really so fun seeing her train right now. I mean, and I guess I kind of even just, it was watching obviously the races, but even watching her in the fall training, even last year in the fall, it's like, she's up there with all of them. She's beating them in workouts, like um, just has so much potential, so much strength, has finally figured out how to like recover properly and keep herself healthy. and yeah, she's someone that like I'm rooting for. I mean, I think we have not, we definitely have not seen the best of her this year. And I think yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens when she is put up against these international athletes.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, like, yeah, there's questions circulating about um, her joining like a professional team. I don't think there's any doubt now why she deserves to be on an Olympic team. Cause she kind of proved that and kind of showed her, her worth in that. And so the third person on that is Rachel Snyder. And I think she's one of the most underrated distance runners right now in the 5k 15 and 10k. Cause she can, she's so versatile, even on the roads. I mean, like she ran, the 10th fastest American time of 3,109. She has the 11th fastest 5K time of all time of 1,452. The fifth fastest mile time of 4,20.9. I mean, like the list can go on and on for like her ability to show range and race. So I think now that Rachel has that experience in 2019 of making the world championships, um, she'll be able to come out into the Olympic games in Tokyo and put a good showing on. Mm -hmm. So for the men's side, yeah, we had one of the the funniest races to watch is with Woody Moe. Or sorry, Woody, um, Paul and Grant when Paul just kept looking over his shoulder and like giving like the what are you doing kind of thing to Woody. And the best part about it is is that race that they had in twenty nineteen that or twenty was that twenty nineteen that kind of shaped up that rivalry. Um so yeah, the men's side super excited about. I mean like Grant has a podcast. We don't like to promote other podcasts on ours, but we'll give Grant the shout out of the half step pod. Ironically, we also have Woody Kincaid of the podcast, the price of a mile. So like you guys need to go check out their stuff too. Stay loyal to us. But yeah, that was such an exciting race. And I honestly think that like that event has a lot of metal potential as well, similar to all events. But for that, like Paul's in the Olympic silver medalist, but then you have, woody unreal unmatched speed and his ability to close and he's so underrated and then you have grant kind of similar to that of elise or yeah i would i would kind of say similar to that elise um in his development he was good went to stanford as well i mean bowerman track clubs like stanford postgraduate university <laughs> where people go but uh, do you think do you think for those like young athletes that have now made olympic teams like with Chrissa and elise and grant Do you think that transition to the professional level helped with that COVID year to then build them onto the team for 2021?
1: Yeah, in terms of like giving them that extra year of training, I do think that they benefited from it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and Jerry pushed everyone like no backing off last year Uh, they were up in park city for a ton of time obviously they then had those kind of track meets that he put on in the summer that they everyone was able to run quick times and even if they weren't running that quick but i don't woody wasn't running great last year Mm -hmm. but um again you were just having that development having all of that time to put in yeah put in the, the miles and get used to the program so then this year they were really ready to roll
0: yeah no, exactly. And I think they're going to be ready to roll there in Tokyo as well. Cause I know a lot of people were doing heat acclimation over there in uh, Hawaii. And and so it's going to be certainly good for those events. And then mm-hmm. for the 10,000 meters um, men's and women's, I mean, you have Grant back at it again, same with Woody. Um, and that was actually the craziest distance event that kind of set it on fire with Joe Klecker as well. Um, those guys just kind of put on a clinic that last lap. And I think they closed in like 53 um, for the 25th lap. Like that is nuts. Um, I'm really excited about that one because I think that's going to be a really great showing for American um, men's distance running as a whole, Um, mainly because regardless of the pace, I think those guys are going to be able to really kick it in um, to gear and and shock some people. So on the men's side, I'm looking forward to that event probably equally as much as the 15, just because for some reason watching that event and kind of, I don't know, the 10K doesn't feel boring to me. So I'm I'm hoping that that event um, lives up to my expectations, but yeah. Those three guys are going to Tokyo for the U.S. post. Um, we have Mark Scott on there as well for the U.K. team. He was a guest of the podcast, um, so pulling for him. He did a good showing at the Euro 10K champs. And then on the women's side, um, we have Emily Sassan who absolutely obliterated the women's field, which was so crazy to watch. I that mean, it wild. literally put Alicia Monson in heat stroke and she was in the hospital celebrating, making her first Olympic team. But that's, again, a testament to how strong these distance runners are um over over ten thousand meters. I mean like Alicia literally pushed herself to the maximum limit to make an Olympic team and she did.
1: And I think I heard a story I was talking with um Leah Fallon after the fact that Alicia Alicia is Alicia or Alicia?
0: Um, um I don't know. I think it's Alicia because they also have Alicia. They have Alicia Kanachek and then Alicia Monson, yeah.
1: Alright uh, Alicia Monson. So she uh Leah Fallon was saying that like she literally realized was it either seven laps in or seven laps to go maybe seven laps to go maybe two miles to go she realized something was wrong like she said like I knew that like this was going bad and that's how crazy these distance athletes are it's like she had two miles and she knew that like she probably was going into heat stroke and she just like gutted it out which to me is wild that I mean obviously also being a short middle distance runner like that's four times my race length but to know that your body is like going haywire and to keep yourself together to finish that race just to me shows such mental fortitude it's wild
0: exactly and i think that toughness from everyone in that 10k is just going to be prevalent when we get over there to tokyo because yeah these these women are tough and i and i don't think i don't think there are anyone that can be doubted because also carissa schweitzer is doubling back and and gonna put on put on a show in that event as well you guys we've had (laughs) you for so long and i don't want you guys to (laughs) to get bored or or close out so we're going to really quickly go into the fan Olympic chat banter we only have roughly eight or so questions. We're going to make them quick. Um, We're going to go back and forth on these. Um, And so I'm going to lead it off. Kate, do you think that the US um, should change their process to be a hybrid selection where it's trials results and then a selection for a third spot.
1: No, Well, I guess hybrid process, maybe that'd be something. Uh, In general, people ask me this and I always think that ours is the best in terms of just like, it is, first of all, so exciting. It makes for such good entertainment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Um, you kind of have to be there on the day. Obviously it leads to heartbreak, but also I think it gives us these great stories. Like, I mean, Val Constantine in the steeplechase. Like you have people that are just nobodies that are able to make it if they just totally ball up and do it. Honestly, Corey making the team this year, like which she totally, I mean, she was showed that she was 100% worthy of it, but like would she have been picked on that team? If not, um, I guess she was second. So anyway, the whole point being, I think it gives me the chance for people to show their worth. And especially in the U S you don't always get these races. Like, I I don't know. I just think it is the cleanest cut way to do it. Right. You take, you hear about other countries. There's so much politics involved. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. You want to hit question two?
1: Um, What's your opinion on Josh's beard?
0: Um, You know, I'll be honest guys. I kind (laughs) of like it. Um, I think it's it's, it's cool. He doesn't ever attach the mustache. So he leaves just the lamb chops and like that little goatee kind of connection there. But I think it's cool. And I think that, um, no one really rocks that look. And I think like individuality on the start line or like how to kind of like show, show your personality or fierceness. I mean, he looks like Wolverine kind of guy and like Josh looks not intimidating without a beard and with a beard, it's like extra level. So I like it. I'm all for it. I'm not all for the neck beard portion. Like I'm, I'm with you guys on that, that his neck beard needs to get uh, tamed a little bit, but baby face Josh is also not the look. <laughs> Um, this isn't a question. Someone just said Kate could whoop David in a 400 submitted by Rendon. And, you know, I'm not even going to entertain that.
1: (laughs) I mean, do they realize that you're a professional distance runner?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You might honestly be able to, what's your fastest four?
1: Um, well, I haven't really run a fast four. I mean, 54 at the end of a workout. So probably would be somewhere low fifties. Uh, we would actually be competitive. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it. We'll move on. (laughs) um usa best, cha- best chance best chance at a distance mm-hmm. medal or a distance event medal best gold best silver best bronze
0: um i'm gonna say best gold chance would be women's eight um Agreed. best silver i'm gonna say best silver will be men's 1500 um best bronze will be either the men's or women's 5k
1: Yeah, I would say men and women's 5k for the bronze. I mean, I'm going to put Emma as best. Oh, yeah. It's also best gold. Um, So simple. Um, The silver. What do you say for silver?
0: Um, I said men's 1500.
1: I do that. I might switch. I might say best silver is the 5k and bronze is 1500. But yeah.
0: I mean, the cool thing is, is like that, that question is actually a really cool question. And it's also a question that we probably could have spent 20 minutes on really analyzing and breaking down potentials. And yeah. we, we're just trying to get you guys invested in the athletes, not invested in our opinions. So um, the next question is, how can Josh expect to win when there's not going to be a foldable foldable chair near the start line? yeah josh has sold this lawn chair approach but here's the reality one of the reasons he did it is because of call rooms because you go into a call room they have you sit down for 10 or so minutes waiting for your number waiting for your bib so he's literally mimicking the process of an olympic championship or world championship event every single day of practice so when he puts his spikes on he goes onto the track he does his workout so regardless of if there's a chair josh is going to have something to sit on and he's been doing that literally for the last year and a half so he's he's a man playing chess um, he's like the Thomas Shelby of uh, the track and field world if you're a Peaky Blinders fan. So yeah, he'll be love okay. It.
1: I love it. Uh, would you rather see Josh win gold or see the U.S. go one, two, three in the men's 1500?
0: This was a cool question. I was talking about this on my run today. And I'm gonna be honest. I, I would rather see Josh win gold. Um, I'm, in, I, like, I'm really invested. I, you know, I'm super patriotic. America, I had like country music in the background of me talking right now. It'd be super <laughs> cool to see the U.S. go one, two, three and I'm invested in those athletes. And if a U.S. athlete was to win, I'd hope it would be central. I would hope a repeat Olympic gold is like one of the coolest headline stories you could have. Cause that's crazy. But in, in all reality, if Josh can win gold, I mean, damn, our podcast would skyrocket. Right. So we'll get a little <laughs> bit of a bonus there um, if he does that, but in seriousness, like I know what Josh does to get to these moments and all of you know that. And I, w- I would love to see Josh come into come, come into grasp with like the, the impact that he's making. And, for him to get rewarded of that. Um, he will be the most banterish guy I've ever met in my entire life. If we go into a banter bowl or if you guys shoot shots at our submissions, he's going to just always, he'll probably come to podcasts with a gold medal around his neck if he wants. So maybe I don't want Josh to win, um, but no, yeah, I, I would love to see Josh take a win. That would do so many good things for him, so many good things for us. So yeah, there's that. Um, all right, favorite field, to, field event to watch at the Olympics?
1: I love the shot put. I don't know. Same, it's actually. The shot
0: Same. Crazy. Um,
1: they're also just like also big fan of them personally, but yeah, and it's wild. Just um I don't know the whole thing. I loved when like they know that it was good even before it it even before it's been like uh measured out. That was pretty yeah. cool. Um, seeing like the American record there with from Ryan. I don't know how about you?
0: Also, shop it. Yeah, shop it's my favorite. I think it's. Well, I mean, first off, I've lifted one of those things. And I legit almost broke my wrist. So I'm not I'm not a big fan of uh, me having to compete in it, but watching like strong guys and strong women do that, I'm just like, that's insane. And the yeah. fact that records like American records and world records continuously get broken by the same group of people competing against each other is crazy. And I also think what's so great about it is from my, at least a spectator perspective, I feel like the shot putters are invested in each other's success. Like the relationship of Ryan Krauser and Joe Kovacs, although incredibly like rival driven like they embraced after kovacs won 2019 gold they embraced after krauser won 2016 they embraced after krauser set the world record like they're, they're going beyond the sport of what it means to be competitors and so when i'm watching an event for entertainment story everything i mean the men's shot you can't look further than the men's and women's shot puts for me
1: agree agree.
0: yeah
1: uh when do you know one of your teammates was ready for, for the olympics in tokyo
0: I thought this was a cool question. Another one that we could probably dive in on, like workouts. But when Josh just did his workout there at Sound Running for his time trial, I don't know if you saw, but he went. His goal was to go through the first 400 at like a controlled pace and then cut down the last 400. And he ran uh, 55.78 or something for the first lap, and then he closed in like 50.3 something. And when he did that, I was like, "There's a different level of fitness to run 146 in the opposite way that people want to run 146." Like,
1: wait, I'll say that again. So it was he was running 800, but he was doing it as a cut.
0: So he went 55, almost 56 for the first lap. And then Danny wanted him to cut it down with 350 to go. And he ran wow. 146 low. Wow. And he did it. And Robbie Andrews paced him for 400. And then Josh took the last lap alone. So seeing that, I was just like, okay, this guy's ready to rip. So yeah, yeah. there's workouts. There's like, you and I could probably just talk honestly for hours about workouts that like some of these, like we do um, and and our teammates do. Um, but that that one for me was I was like, okay, this guy's ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean I think similar I, I think a lot of the stuff that Emma does over hurdles is really impressive. Just like she does these crazy, I mean 1Ks and like uh what 1K's and like sub 250 over hurdles which it's always just wild to me when it's over hurdles. Cause that just like, I'm like, that would be a hard workout for me, just flat. Um, but for me more so, it's just her mindset. I mean, honestly, she had, she's been ready for this whole year. And I think it's just like at one point when you're in the mindset of just like, you're doing this, it's like, it's always there. There was yeah. a workout earlier this year where she had to finish with a one kid. It was like pretty quick and everyone was cheering her on and then like giving her props afterwards. And she was like, not bitchy about it, but kind of just really matter of fact, like, Hey, don't hype me up too much for this. Like, that's just my pace. Like like, that's my race pace. Like we're not, this isn't, we're not going to celebrate every kind of okay workout or every like pretty good workout. Right. We're going to save the celebrations for the race or for like when I really, really hit one out of the park and it wasn't, it wasn't in a mean way. It was more kind of funny, but I just loved it. I was like, yeah. Yeah.
0: I got chills. That's crazy. That's sweet.
1: Yeah. It it was great. It was really like, okay, I, I like your attitude about this. Like we're really, we're leveling up here.
0: That's cool. That's, that's leveling up. That's awesome yeah Uh, cool god um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening to this kate thank you so much for coming on i think you did a phenomenal job and i feel less bullied you know i'm going off this episode with less of a depression of like i have to edit myself getting hazed for another 60 (laughs) minutes so i appreciate you coming on here and really showing showing your worth as a host and we're certainly going to need to have you come back on as a guest because i love the mentality and the the comedic insight that you bring to a lot of these things
1: thank you so much it was so fun thanks for having me and yeah hopefully you feel good about yourself
0: <laughs> i feel i feel very <laughs> good about myself thank you um but yeah sweet it's a, a slow meandering affair he wants to go he kick he's gotta go now
1: with josh k on
0: all right here david Josh Kerr. david rivage josh kerr's for real the fastest d2 1500 meters Kerr on the
1: outside way up front now is david rivage